Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So, in charismatic Pentecostal NAR churches, and that um, that teach that God always heals, they got a problem, and the problem's obvious. And the problem is clearly. People who have prayed to God, have put the money in the bucket, have sown the seeds and done the things and said the stuff, they aren't healed. And so the question is, how do you explain what the problem is? And so when somebody goes to the average uh, charismatic Pentecostal prognosticator of, of healing things and says, listen, I prayed the prayer, I sent the money in, I did the stuff, I did the thingies and whatever. Why am I not healed? They will end up having the blame put back on them. It's some reason will come up. Uh, you, you, you have unconfessed sin in your life. You just don't have enough faith. Things like this. And these are very dangerous, very dangerous explanations because the, the obvious answer is, well, I lied to you and God doesn't always heal. Mm -hmm. Christians have been dying in droves for two millennia. Uh, generation after generation of Christians have come and gone because that's what happens. And Christ's intent is to raise us all on the last day. So the answer to every prayer, Lord, will you heal me for those who are Christians is yes in the resurrection, not in this life, not with this mortal body. And as a result of it, these people have some explaining to do. And so they're always kind of working angles to kind of keep their followers um, chasing their tails and in a maze of deception so that they don't ever have to say the obvious. Okay, we lied to you. God doesn't always heal. Uh, you know, and as soon as they say that, then they lose their power, they lose their money, they lose their audience and stuff like this. It's, you, you, there's, there's a lot of money to be made on telling people that God always heals. So what we're going to do today, uh, we're going to head over to Joseph Prince's church. And this guy is slick. I, it, and he's smart. And, and he knows his way around a Greek text. And not everything he says is um, off the mark. That actually makes him a little bit more dangerous than others. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that he doesn't preach error and egregious error. He does. So let me, let me uh, whirl up the desktop and I'll explain what we're going to do here today. So uh, <clears throat> open up the web browser. The name of the message we're going to be listening to in part is titled, Activate God's healing in your life today. Like, what? <laughs> Activate God's healing in your life today. So, you know, apparently healing is like a credit card or a, a debit card or something that your bank sends you. And until you phone the number and activate it, then you 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 know your 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 card won't work. Your healing is a lot like that. So what is the key to activating God's healing? You know, there's plenty of people out there who need God to heal them, and 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 where in the Scripture does it teach us 
the steps necessary in order to activate God's healing in our life. And I'm going to note this, is that this explanation about what you need to do first before you can walk out healing or activate healing in your life is one of the most demonic that I've ever heard because it the, the explanation will cause somebody to doubt whether or not they're even saved. That's how awful this explanation is. And it's given with such youthful charm and, uh, and such flamboyant uh, you know, uh, scholarship. But uh, that doesn't change the fact that what he's saying is not true at all. So uh, let's get into it. Again, and the name of the title is Activate God's Healing in Your Life Today. And we'll note that he's going to be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, and he's going to be dealing with the healing of the paralytic. And watch what he does with this, and I'll explain why what he do- does is so, 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 so dangerous. The thing you need to know about healing is this. The next thing you need to know. Now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee. Wow. Out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. You need to know something because uh, the, the, the backdrop of this story is that this is in Capernaum and I can show you the house. It's a Catholic building. Capernaum. Yeah. Now, over uh, Peter's house near the synagogue. And that's the place where they, they lowered the men later on. But why is it that uh, every doctor of the law, every Pharisee out of every town that's mentioned here came to Capernaum, why? Because for the first time in history, for the first time in history, a Jewish man was cleansed. When Jesus came down the mountain, Jesus says, I will be thou cleansed. And Jesus says, see that you go and present the sacrifice that Moses commanded as a testimony to the priests. Now let's check this out because this is a fascinating thing that he's pointing out. And there's there's some like explanatory power to what he's saying. So if I go into the gospel of Luke chapter five, and it says Jesus cleanses a leper. That's the thing that happens immediately before we get into this next story. Uh, But here's what it says. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he, Jesus, charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would he with, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So this fellow in the narrative in, that Luke gives us did exactly what Jesus said, which then explains in part who is at this house then when Jesus heals the paralytic. Uh, you know, Jesus' fame is growing and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, scribes and priests were present for this. And so he's making the claim that the immediate context explains what's going on here. And he's right. And so I, you know, you got to note that he's capable of paying attention into context, but that doesn't mean that he always rightly handles God's word, and that's kind of the the, the, the tricky bit with uh, um, uh, with Joseph Prince is that um, for all of his careful scholarship, he still makes some really bad 
bad theological moves. So let's continue on with this recounting. For the first time, there is a law in the book of Leviticus that was never used, that when a leper is cleansed, these are the procedures, but no leper was cleansed in Israel. Now, you're at, least, at least none recorded in the Old Testament. Okay. Think of Naaman. Naaman wasn't Israeli. He was a Syrian. Na- no leper was cleansed ever in the Old Testament. Even though Leviticus says, when a leper is cleansed, these are the procedures you do for him. So finally, when Jesus cleansed the leper in Capernaum, Jesus says, go as a, and bring the gift, go to the priest as a testimony to them. What a testimony. They said this man was cleansed. And one- this, is a great, this is a great connection, by the way. I, I like what he's doing here. You don't hear me actually praising false teachers very often. He's right about this. This is, this is a great connection that he's making. The signs they're waiting for is that the Messiah will cleanse the leper and open the eyes of the blind. True. So, so far, so good. But what could possibly go wrong here? Again, remember the name of the title of this sermon, Activate God's Healing in Your Life. What? That is what they are waiting for. And now they all crowd around there. They jam pack into, the, into, into Peter's house. All right, you can still see, still see the house. You can see where they lowered the guy. All right, it's, it's now in ruins, but you can, you can have an eye. Now, now, I'm quibbling at this point, but I would note, um, let's take a look here. Let's read the passage in question, and then I want to show you a cross-reference. On one of those days, as he uh, was teaching, Pharisees and, and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village, of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, which is the reason why he did the things that he did. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. The fact that this guy was able to be healed is proof that Christ can forgive sins and has the authority to do so. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. So here's here's the part where I'm going to quibble with. He is is making the claim that what we're seeing here is um, is taking place at Peter's home. I would note that there is a good reason to think that it's not Peter's home, and that's from a cross-reference. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Okay, in Mark chapter 2, um, it tells us whose home this was. And a lot of people uh, kind of miss this little fact, and I think that uh, that Joseph Prince missed this this, this cross-reference. It says this in Mark 2, which is a the, the parallel account. This is the cross-reference. When he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Same account, a slightly different focus on the details, but this isn't Peter's house, it's Jesus' home. 
uh, you know, the, either the place he purchased or was renting. That's that we know. So this didn't take place at Peter's house. It took place at Jesus's house. So keep that in mind. Um, it's important to do your cross-reference work and make sure that you, you got your archaeological, geographical, and, you know, and that kind of data correct. He, he did not get this correct. Uh, Mark teaches us that this is Christ's house, not Peter's. So let me back this up. Top around there. They jam-packed into, the, into, into Peter's house. All right, you can still see, still see the house. You can see where they lowered the guy. All right, it's, it's now in ruins, but you can, you can have an idea. I like to see a rock down there and think that probably that's where Jesus stood when he was preaching in the house. And they were jam-packed into the house. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Whoa. Okay, so watch where he's emphasizing here. We know the story that at, at, at the end, only one guy got healed, the guy who was lowered but the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Another lesson we need to learn is this. It's not as if God is not supplying, it's that we are not receiving. All right, so here, here's, here's the mythological bits, okay? So it's not that God isn't supplying healing, it's your fault you're not receiving healing. Is that what this text is about? So I would note that Luke 5 here, okay, on one of those days, as he, Jesus, was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Power of the Lord was with him to heal. He added the word them, which is interesting. Um, but, um, you know, but uh, some manuscripts, some of the older manuscripts do say heal them. But I would note that what he's doing here is he's taking a descriptive text and trying to turn it into a prescription. You see, there were a whole lot of people, according to Joseph Prince, who needed healing, but only one man received healing that day. You see, the power of the Lord was present to heal them all, but only one received presence. See, that means that the problem isn't with God. He's provided the healing, but they're just not walking in it. They're not activating it. They're not taking advantage of it. That's not what this text is saying at all. So I would note that the reason why the, the ESV says that the, Lord, the power of the Lord was with, with him to heal, rather than to say to heal them, is because the them part is not well attested in, uh, in our manuscript in the manuscript evidence. It's well enough to put a footnote, but not well enough to, that we have confidence that it's actually part of the original. Regardless, even if it was part of the original, that doesn't mean that the, the, what the, what's going on here is an example that we need to follow. You see, the, God's providing healing all over the place. The problem is you're not walking in it. You're not taking advantage of it. It's all on you. That's not what this text is saying. So we've got a problem here because what what has happened here is that this healing, you know, the power of the Lord was present to heal. This healing resulted in and the guy rising up before them, picking up what he'd been lying on, going home and glorifying God. That doesn't sound like a failure to me. That sounds like a success. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So note what Joseph Prince is doing to this text. By using a, um, a contested 
reading, adding the word them, turning a descriptive text now into a prescriptive text in a sneaky way, he's now setting the stage for explaining why, why that guy was healed and apparently the other people who needed healing who are not mentioned in the text, why they didn't get healed. You, you see the sneaky game he's playing? Let me back this up. Only Watch one this. guy got healed, the guy who was lowered. But the power of the Lord was... But the text doesn't mention any other people needing healing that day. You see the game he's playing? Again, backing it up. Listen again. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Okay, that's a contested reading. It's, it's, it's doubtful that that was part of the original, but even if it was, watch what he's doing. He's eisegeting some details. Whoa, we know the story that at, at, at the end, only one guy got healed, the guy who was lowered. But, yeah, and everyone else was praising God. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Another lesson we need to learn is this. Uh, it's not as if God is not supplying, it's that we are not receiving. And there it is. You know, see, God's supplying your healing. You're, you're just not receiving. It's all on you. And we're not receiving because many times we believe wrong things. We believe our sin stops it. Our parents' sin stops it. We are under... Okay, so we believe wrong things. So we believe our sin is stopping it. Our parents have stopped it. A generation curse, you know. We believe that we must be extra holy to receive it. A lot of wrong thinking, amen? So the thing is... And the weird irony here is he's going to give even more wrong thinking as to why. People are not receiving the healing that God is supplying. It's this, the Lord is saying, amen, that he wants to heal all of them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Is it like the sun? Again, where are all these other people that, that left unhealed? That's not the focus of this text. God made an oversized uh, supply but when God made the sun because the sun uh, sheds its warmth and its light on the earth. But scientists tell us a lot of the warmth and the light of the sun is wasted. They use the word wasted. And one day in heaven, we'll know that nothing is wasted. But, but why did God uh, uh, make an oversized supply? It's just his style. Amen. <laughs> Amen. His style is that it's always 12 basketful left over. Amen. God doesn't know how to do small things. When you ask God to bless you with a job, he might give you a position. All right. When you ask God in faith, when you ask God knowing who he is, be careful. What you ask. All right. So God's given the supply. God's given the healing. You're just not receiving it. So how does this text tell us how to activate the healing that God is supplying that we're not receiving? Again, of all the explanations I've ever heard, this is the most demonic. And that's not hyperbole. We continue. Hey. So the first thing you need to know is that don't, don't ask, is it my sin? Is it his sin? Is it my parents' sin? And don't judge people based on sin. And then go back to uh, Luke 5. It says that Jesus told the man, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Got him into trouble. All the doctors of the law that were gathered down there, oh, they were not happy. But he says, he says what? Man, your sins are forgiven you. But it's obvious that he needed what? To walk. Okay, then Jesus, Jesus asked them, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Drop down and let me show you their reaction. The scribe says, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? You see, let me tell you one thing about, about these Pharisees, okay? If they don't want to see, they don't want to see. Like, like people say about things about our church, right? You know? If they don't want to see, they don't want to see. You understand? No? When the light of the world comes in and he performed miracles and the, 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 the prophets of old says, the signs of the Messiah that he will, he will open the eyes of the blind and cleanse lepers. Okay? Now, yeah. when you see that happen, okay, obviously the light of the world has come. Yeah, okay, that's a valid conclusion. Okay, then there are, there are times they ask him, show to us that you are the Messiah. Show to us you are the light. Now, you, the moment you ask that, it's no more a problem of the light. It's a problem of your eye. You got eye disease. You understand? 
It's no more a problem with the light. When you, the light is so abundant and all that, healings and all that, you refuse to see. It's your eye. You're blind. You're blind. Like some people, right? You know, they tell you, you know, they do things that's not very nice, you know. They, they do things in your presence and you smell something bad, you know, and all that. And they say, don't worry, it's not smelly. Something wrong with their nose. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Alright, when you're your pastor mark, you understand. Alright. So Jesus which is easier? Let me ask you a question, which is easier? To say to a man, your sins are forgiven, or say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Because of time, I'm just telling you the story, okay? Which is easier? Right. Obviously the point that Christ is making. Why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or say rise and walk? So Jesus immediately forgives this fellow. Forgiveness of sins is not something you can see with the eyes at all. And that's kind of the point because we're all early on in the Gospel of Luke and, and a lot of people are coming to grips and terms with who Jesus is. And in the Markin account, it's in the second chapter, which is really early on. And, you know, and the early part of the Gospels, you can see people wrestling with the, who Jesus is and what his true identity is. Okay, so so Jesus says to the man, "Man, your sins are forgiven." They say, "Who can who can forgive sins except for God alone?" This is blasphemy. So why do you question your hearts? Which is easier to say, "Your sins are forgiven," or say, "Rise and walk"? And this is the emphasis. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, which you cannot see, Jesus then does something that they can see. He said to the man who was paralyzed, "I say to you, rise." pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what had been lying on uh, what he'd been lying on and he went home glorifying God. Positive outcome. This is a focus about Christ. This is to tell us of something about Jesus. He, Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, which is a big deal because I'm not paralyzed but man, I need my sins forgiven, and so do you. Which means you need to know that Jesus is the one who you need to go to, to have your sins forgiven. And that's the point here. Well, let's see what Joseph Prince does with this. To see. Now you can say, Jesus can say, it's easy for him. No, I'm talking about, when Jesus asks you the question, he expects you to answer based on the question, which is easier to say. What is easier to say is your sins are forgiven. Because no one can see that outwardly. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. right? But to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Wow, man, that is a, But what Jesus is saying is that this precedes this. The rising and taking up his bed, then Jesus, look at the man, that you, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He told the man, rise, take up your bed and walk. The man stood up, took his bed, and he started walking. What does that mean? That means what? That he's, he's, he has received forgiveness and is demonstrated outward. In other words, the moment you believe you are forgiven of your sins, amen, that's the time you will walk it out in your healing. And there it is. No, this is not a valid conclusion. In fact, it, it, again, this is one of the most demonic things I've ever heard. What he is saying is, is that the reason why it happened in this order is the reason why this man was able to pick up his bed and walk was because he first believed that his sins were forgiven. I would note Christ forgave him of his sins before he believed it. Full on. And so what he's do doing now is taking this and turning it into a prescriptive text. Well, the reason why you you haven't act <laughs> you haven't activated your healing, I hit the wrong button. The reason why you haven't activated your healing is because you don't believe that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. Uh-huh. Again, w watch what he does here. It is 
really demonic. You've seen, he told the man, rise, take up your bed and walk. The man stood up, took his bed, and he started walking. What does that mean? That means what? That he's, he's, he has received forgiveness and is demonstrated outward. In other words, the moment you believe you are forgiven of your sins, amen, that's the time you'll walk it out in your healing. All right, so there you are. You've been, you've been given a diagnosis of stage four cancer. Doctor says you only have weeks to live, right? And so you, he, according to this theology, God has provided your healing already. It's, it's there for you. Just You need to activate it. You need to receive it. How do I do it? You need to believe that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. Well, I do believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Well, if you really believe that, then you wouldn't have cancer, would you? You see what this does? This strikes at the very heart of faith. And those who have a terminal illness at this point, rather than dying confident that they are in Christ and that their sins are forgiven and that they will be with Christ upon their death and that when Jesus returns, they will rise from the grave uh, and, th and that they will spend eternity with Christ in a new heaven and new earth. Instead, they now are going to the grave going, I don't even know if I'm really a Christian because cancer is is killing me and uh, and I'm I'm about to die and Joseph Prince said that if I believed that I was forgiven then I would be able to walk out my healing and since I'm not walking out my healing and I'm four you know five breaths away from dying I don't even know if I'm saved and if I have faith or if Jesus is true it steals their faith when they need it the most this is satanic. And watch, he's going to double down on this. I'm going to back this up again. Listen, and he's going to continue. That means what? That he's, he's, he has received forgiveness and is demonstrated outward. In other words, the moment you believe you are forgiven of your sins, amen, that's the time you'll walk it out in your healing. That's why the psalmist says, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. What's the first benefit? Who forgives all your iniquities. Then who heals all your diseases. If you yeah, Christ does forgive all of my iniquities and will heal all my diseases in the resurrection. And that's where we have to focus this because it's not that the psalmist doesn't say that, the psalmist does. It's just that in this life, we do not have glorified bodies. Uh, instead, what we have in this life is, is something, well... <laughs> something completely different. So um, some will ask, are, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. This is 1 Corinthians 15. But God gives it a body as he's chosen in each of its own kind, its own way. Not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. Uh, there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. And, but the glory of the heavenly body is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, and stars differ from stars in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. The current body that you have and I have, perishable. Absolutely. And you'll note here, it's not, you, you ain't going to live forever. We all going to die. And, and it's not that God hasn't provided healing for you in Christ. He has. 
but he's provided healing by allowing the perishable to perish and then clothing you in the resurrection with the imperishable. That's the promise of scripture. So it is, it is with, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man was, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are also those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So the idea then here is, is that uh, we, we, we are not going to live forever in these perishable, weak, mortal bodies racked with sin. And so there is a time coming when the expiration date on your body is going to is going to hit it and uh, you you're going to die that's how this works out and and Joseph Prince saying oh no God's provided for your healing you just don't believe that you're forgiven that's the reason why that's that's just satanic that's wrong it's absolutely demonic so Paul says I tell you this brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor is the perishable inherit the imperishable you and I have perishable bodies. So behold, I, I tell you, mister, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is talking about when Jesus returns. There will be some Christians alive when Christ returns. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death where death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It will not come to pass until Christ returns. So what Joseph Prince just did here in creating a false doctrine about activating God's healing, God's provided healing. But you, you see, if you, if you, you, in order to walk out your healing, you got to believe that your sins are forgiven. I do, man. And my body keeps getting older and uglier and falling aparter. <laughs> Is that a word? You know, with each passing day, I'll go back through the archives of fighting for the faith. I looked a lot better 10 years ago than I do now. And I can't even imagine what I'm going to look like in 10 years. Woof. It's going to be terrible <laughs> if I'm still breathing, right? But you'll note that uh, what he's doing here, this explanation is absolutely satanic, and it will cause people to doubt their faith and doubt their salvation right at the time when they need it the most, and that's the tragic bit here. So what's the, what's the reason why God doesn't always heal? Because God doesn't always heal. Not in this life. God will always heal the Christian in the resurrection. That's the promise that we have in Christ. And if you have stage four cancer and you've only got weeks to live, well, here's the deal. You're going to be with Jesus in a few weeks. Praise Jesus for that. That being the case, you have nothing to fear and uh, and continue to believe that your sins are forgiven because you do. That's what Christians do. And uh, and you will be with him. Uh, you know, God pardons all of our iniquities in Christ. Christ bled and died for all of our sins. And that's what Christians believe that they all of their sins are forgiven and that uh, and that they've been reconciled to God by Christ's substitutionary death for them on the cross for you and for me. 
So anyway, I hope you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. And do share it to warn people uh, about what Joseph Prince is preaching and teaching and twist, how he's twisting the scripture and, and the dangerous consequences that it would have. Uh, you know, So share the video. And a quick shout out to all of you who support us financially. Thank you very much for making it possible for us to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world by being a member of our crew and supporting us financially. If you would like to join our crew, and support us financially so that we can keep doing what we're doing. There's a link down below that will take you to the, our Pirate Christian website where you can join our crew and a thank you to everybody who does. So until next time, may God richly bless you and the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. So nice to see that you've made it to the end. Before you inevitably click on another video to continue binging our glorious content, you should know about some of our other offerings. First off, some of you may know that our pirate captain is also the pastor of Kongsvinger Lutheran Church out in Oslo, Minnesota. The editor, that I totally don't have locked in my basement, produces audio and video versions of Kongsvinger sermons and Sunday schools weekly. So go check out kongsvingerchurch.org to see all of our offerings. Now, to address some of the frequently asked questions we get in the comments. <clears throat> One, the Bible and video editing software we use are named and linked in the description down below. Two, if you wish to donate to us directly so that we can keep the lights on, go check out www.piratechristian.com and hit the crew tab. We don't promise miraculous healings or a double increase in your finances, but what we do promise is more quality discernment from our studio into your ear holes. And three, how do you tie up with boxing gloves? Okay, who's the wiseacre who put this in here?